And then I realized God was saying that to me. It praised him and just receiving his love. Like, that's how good he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane how good God is. Yeah. Like, we literally can't fathom. And of course, there's more. But I just had a deeper sense. Like, he doesn't stop giving. Yeah. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm really excited to introduce our guests today, multiple guests. I'll explain more in just a moment. But before we do, a quick update and then an event I want you to know about. The update is this. The Canadian Church Leaders Network has partnered in a really deep way with Worship Central Canada. They've kind of become part of the Canadian Church Leaders Network family. And Worship Central has been operating around the world under the leadership of Tim Hughes. And here in Canada, there's been an amazing team serving the church in Canada, an annual conference, uh, a training program called the Academy. And they've been just fueling worship leaders and churches across Canada with good training and support. And because the vision was so aligned with the Canadian Church Leaders Network, we began to dream about how we could partner together. And And so we're really excited for what that partnership means. And one event that they've got coming up is in partnership with our friend, Daryl Johnson, who's no stranger to this podcast. And so they reached out to Brooke Ligertwood from Hillsong Worship and connected her with Daryl. And the two of them are going to be doing a live conversation on Zoom around theology and worship and the local church. It's going to be incredibly fun. There's going to be opportunity for live Q&A. That's happening on April 7th. If you want to find out more information and register, it'll be on worshipcentral.ca. So this week, we have uh, a unique conversation with Matt Menzel and Father Justin. Now, the backstory to this friendship is these are both ministers in the city of Vancouver. A number of us went on a trip to the UK with Alpha, oh, maybe two years ago now. And we've done these trips with Canadian pastors exploring just a window into the church ministry happening at Holy Trinity Brompton and other churches in the London area. And so we brought these different church leaders. And on that trip were two pastors and leaders from Vancouver, Father Justin, who's the parish priest at St. Anthony of Padua's in Vancouver, and Matt Menzel, who's the lead pastor of Westside Church, two very influential churches in the city from very different traditions. And on that trip, there was a growing friendship together. And one thing we're passionate about is connecting different parts of the church to build real friendships and to celebrate what God's doing. So we asked the two of them to sit down, have a conversation about life and church and ministry. It was an incredible conversation. And so we can't wait for you to hear it. They also filmed it. So if you want to check it out, you can go to our YouTube channel and you'll see the whole thing on video there. Why don't we jump into the conversation right now? I am here with a good friend of mine, Father Justin Huang, priest at St. Anthony of Padua's right here in Vancouver. Justin, thank you for being here with us. My pleasure. Praise God. Yeah, Uh, looking forward to it, man. Man, me too. Me too. Ready I've been to really go. looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you're somebody I enjoy so, so much. And yeah. so um, when they asked us to kind of sit down for the conversation here, um, well, when they asked me to, to host it with somebody, I said, I mean, I'd love to sit down with you. Yeah. And so, so thanks for doing it. Thanks for Let's taking the deep. time. Let's have fun. We're going to, and I, I want to get to a conversation that will be helpful to, to, you know, church leaders across the country mm-hmm. about, you know, what we're learning about ministry right now. I know there's a lot going on in, in your context. Yep. Um, but I want to, before we do any of that, I want to start just by addressing the, the six ton elephant okay. in the room. <laughs> You're a Catholic priest. Yeah. I'm a Protestant pastor. Yeah. It's putting it lightly to say that there are some significant differences sure. between us. That's sure. putting it lightly. I mean, yeah. if if for people who could see, you're in your cassock right yeah. now, yeah. right? So I, you uh, got the robe and the collar. I look right. like a complete slob. You look great, man. Right. Well, <laughs> Accessible. <laughs> no, but honestly, the cassock is a real thing. Like when yeah. we when yeah. I've walked around with you, we've been in other places. <laughs> uh, you get stopped on the street, London, people, England. People come up to you. They just want you to pray for them. Yeah. No one looks at me. Nobody yeah. asks me for prayer. Yeah. This one time, Justin, we walked into a bookstore here in Vancouver, and you were generously buying me a, a book, right. which I was so thankful for. We walk into the bookstore, a lady takes your hand, gives your hand a kiss, <laughs> and I felt like no one's ever that kissed That was a Catholic bookstore, by the way. Right. But nobody's ever <laughs> done this chapters. to me. I've never, <laughs> I've never had that experience. Yeah, sure. What am I, chopped liver? No. So, so, you know, there's differences. And yeah. then, you know, and, and I just, I, we found this so many times uh, driving around with you. I've noticed you have, do you call them shawls? Like uh, a stole, the stole. So yeah. you have various different stoles in yeah, your car. Yeah, liturgical vestments for different, uh, what do you call it? Symbolism of in priestly case, function. And you told me one time, you said, it's, you know, it's in case 
I need to just do a blessing, That's like right. a different or kind of blessing. Or someone who's dying or bless a house. I have zero stoles. Like That's I have, right. I have none of them. So, and you know, there are some differences between us we can That's laugh right. about that are kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. And there are other ones that are totally irreconcilable. Sure. We had one meal together where we, where we did actually hashed through a lot of those kind of hot yeah. button things yeah. and those controversial things between Mary. us. And yeah. <laughs> Mary was, a, was, was among them for sure. And honestly, I mean, we just come to a place where we have to say we're different. Yeah, but you know, the the biggest bond, of course, is Jesus. A hundred percent. And that's not just a platitude. No. I mean, our love for him and yeah. what he's done in our lives has united us. Yeah. And also, I have to tell you this, it's, it's, I think it's the hunger for truth. Mm-hmm. We really want to be moved. Jesus is truth. Mm-hmm. And we really want to be just, we want to follow him wherever that leads us. Totally. And that hunger... That's what's really bonded what you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, Justin, I feel that like, yeah. so we're so different. Yeah. <laughs> and yet when I get together with you, we're very similar. We, to, we go to the same places yeah, together. Yeah. You, what you care about most, I care about most. Yeah. You're one of those rare kind of friends in my life where when we sit down, we, we talk about the things that the only things I really want to talk about. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And honestly, and we're always speaking honestly, my bond with you is probably stronger than most priests mm. because we go right to him. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's a rare gift, right? Yeah. We all yeah. know French, true friendship. Right. That's a rare gift. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same way. And, and it's, su- it's such a fascinating thing to think mm-hmm. about right now because yeah. so I've been thinking about this and thinking about the fact that, you know, even with irreconcilable differences, mm-hmm. we have this love between us. Yeah. And and thinking about the power of the gospel that's needed mm. in our country right now. Like yeah. we we are living at a time when division mm. is like division is out of control culturally. Right. We have never had so many labels that we slap on each other. Sure. You know, it's not just politics, it's identity, mm. it's it's race, it's gender, it's it's socioeconomic. It's whatever whatever area you want to go to. We divide each other mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we write people off when they disagree with us. Yeah. You know, I mean, we all know about council culture, all that kind of stuff right. that's becoming more and more just normative for us. Yeah. And 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 I just I have to I have to think and and we know this, the gospel. Mm. The gospel is meant to unite us. Right. Like it's meant to be unity and diversity, meant to bring us together as Correct. one man with all these differences. And so I just, I, it makes me think like, what would the impact of the church be in this world if we could find a way not to, not to attempt some lowest common denominator theology, not to water down anything, because I can't, you can't, but if we could find a way to love each other, even in those differences across varying theological traditions, what would the world see? Yeah. And you know, one thing that came up in our first meeting encounter in London, England, you know, I think, you know, even though we're all, we've all studied theology, we have a sense of the church, we're all relatively informed. Mm-hmm. But until I think, for example, I am, let's say just Catholics, speak, I'll speak on behalf of Catholics, until we encounter people s- such as yourself, mm-hmm. who just love Jesus so much. And a, a big part in, say, current Catholic culture right now is this hunger for truth. Mm-hmm. If we meet someone like you, we resonate. You know, you mentioned, you know, division. Well, it's very hard to build on something if you don't even have a hunger for, say, goodness right, or truth. Well, what do you build on? Mm-hmm. There's nothing to build on. Yeah. So that's one thing. I think also if a lot of evangelicals, Protestants, if they meet a, a priest, and they probably haven't, and they haven't met the priest at the heart and yeah. see, my goodness, it's all about Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Jesus and then his body, the church. But if they haven't encountered that... Mm-hmm. It's hard to build off. And again, we're not saying, we're not saying that like when we talk about meeting and, 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 and growing to love one another, mm. we're not saying actually shifting theology. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we understand, like I understand, like, again, like we said at the beginning, we have different authority structures yeah, yeah. that we come under. Yeah. That's just true. Yes, that's Like right. there are things that you take as authoritative that Correct. I don't. Correct. And, and, and so we, we're different. Yeah. But our love Mm. we don't have to be afraid of actually building relationships and loving each other i think also we'll get there yeah we'll start listening yeah to the different arguments and we'll we'll start we'll start looking for the truth there Mm -hmm. but i think even for now i mean whenever you and i meet it's all jesus what he's doing Mm. what his his desire is yeah for us for the church for all people 
that's where we're focused right now. Totally. And we'll go, we'll go to the theological discussions Yeah, absolutely. And later. I think, cause I think there's just, there's this moment in what the Holy Spirit is. And this is why I think the conversation is important across yeah. the country. Yeah. I, I think, I think the spirit of God is like, so here's what's been happening in my life. So mm. here's some, what I've realized. I've, I've found uh, a, a very real and pharisaical mm. spirit in myself that I've let driving for a long time. And it's really fear of man, but, but more than fear of man, it's, it's fear of error. So I I would say, so here, here's my, you know, here's my foundation. Here's what I believe. And now I just, I just want to work with people that are inside that same sphere. Right. right? And, and in, and I'm, because I want to be, I want to serve the church as well as I can. I want to be as, I want to be as careful as I possibly can. Mm. Uh, And, and I've just found that that, world that with with even with good intention can mm-hmm. actually lead to a place that's really ugly for the church mm. where we just start to not have any time or any ability to listen or to hear from or to love those you know who are different than us yeah. and i i feel like that we for for the lord to bring for the holy spirit to 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 pour himself out on the church you know we just have to understand he's bigger than any one of us mm-hmm. like he is at work in your life correct he's at work in in, in, in everyone's he's life he's at work in in, in his yeah. church a, across the world yeah. in various kinds of traditions mm-hmm. uh and and so we have to understand that and not try to control mm-hmm. and so i think this is one of the ways that we quench and resist and grieve him is when we refuse to even look at each other outside of our sort sure. of stream or sure. camp or whatever. Yeah. And I know, Justin, that what, what did it for me when I first met you was really getting to hear your heart, yeah. like you were saying, and really getting to hear your story. Yeah. So can we start Agreed. there? Before yep. we get to some of the ministerial stuff, can we start there? Can you can you walk us through a bit of that? Like, what was it like for you when yeah. you first came to know Jesus? Yeah. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, yeah. You grew um, up here, right? You were in, grew up in Richmond. Yeah. Okay. Uh, public school. Okay. So just the background, and I'll take you to the, through the key encounters. You know, my dad is um, Chinese, born in the Philippines, uh, raised Catholic, but he never believed in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom became Catholic when she was twenty-one, out at UBC. When they married, tough marriage. Mm-hmm. And dad didn't want my mom practicing the faith. I've got two older brothers. Dad didn't want them baptized. Of course, we have infant baptism. Mm-hmm. But he didn't want us baptized. But his brother stepped in and said, at least have them baptized. My mm-hmm. dad, But my dad said, fine, but no catechism, no education in the faith. Right. So we all got baptized on the same day. That's a grace from God. But never grew up. We never talked about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in elementary school, public school, singing songs about Jesus, making fun of him because I didn't even Mm. know who who he was, just a name. And then 13 years old, my mom, after being away from church for 17 years to please my dad, she made um, just a choice. She's going to go back to church, even if it makes him mad. And then the grace starts rolling. Mm. I started following along and had no idea what the Catholic mass was like. Very foreign and very kind of inhospitable, the Mm. environment. Okay, so I went. No big encounter there. But my dad's sister, my godmother, praise God, she um, asked if I want to be confirmed, Catholic confirmation mm-hmm. sacrament. And I said, why not? Okay, start getting instruction with a, a nun from Ireland, one-on-one. I was too old for the young kids, mm-hmm. too young for the adults. So I get one-on-one. She started. We started going through the Gospel of Luke, and everything she said, and this is just the gift of faith, right? Mm-hmm. I just started, it made, it made sense. I believe it, yep. Mm-hmm. And I think she was just kind of surprised. I was just <laughs> accepting it. It all, all makes sense. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And deep down, there's something resonating in my heart. And I was captured by mm-hmm. Jesus' personality. Mm-hmm. There's no one like him, right? Mm-hmm. No one. Yeah. So how old were you at this time again? 14, 14. Grade 9. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I here's something just to, you know, these little moments of grace where Holy Spirit works. I remember just being in high school and you take personality tests what do you what do you what's your career now mm-hmm. i thought i always want to be an architect like designing right. stuff right but it says i like helping people so in my mind i thought well maybe i should be a priest because priests help people all the time mm-hmm. okay passing but significant during my first confession 14 years old with an irish priest i was really surprised by he looked so mean right? <laughs> you know, when you see him up there yeah. celebrating mass, he yeah. looked serious and imposing. Now, when I met him, he was kind, intelligent, mm-hmm. wise, funny. That just blew me away. Mm-hmm. But during that confession, I hid some sins mm-hmm. because I was so embarrassed, right? 
I just couldn't bring, I couldn't tell anyone in the world mm. what I had done. So I knew that was wrong, but I didn't have a sense of the gravity. Mm. Um, went to the youth group at the end of grade 10, uh, retreat, some retreat, didn't like it. I was not impressed by the other kids. I thought, I, I'm, I'm going to public school my whole life. I thought if I'm going to go to a Catholic youth group, the kids are going to be just amazing. Total disappointment. <laughs> Don't go back. A year later, the youth ministers call me. They say, do you want to give it another chance? The, the, a lot of the teens have changed. I said, fine. I go on that retreat immediately from at a human level. I'm starting to hit it off with the young adult mm -hmm. leaders and the other teens. Praise God. Mm -hmm. And then um, Friday night, they say, well, we're having opportunities for confession. Mm -hmm. Then I started getting really nervous because... I had read in one of our Catholic catechism books, there are certain sins that are mortal sins, we call it. And if you commit them and if you die in that state, irreconciled with God, you, go, you choose hell. Mm -hmm. That freaked me out. Mm -hmm. That really freaked me out being 15 years old. And I knew I had to apologize, I had to confess. So I was afraid I would go to the front of lineup, then go to the mm -hmm. back of the lineup mm -hmm. again as everyone's waiting to see the priest. And then I went in, I confessed all my sins. I was crying. Mm -hmm. And the priest was very gentle, Father Andrew. And I just remember at the end of it, I just said, am I forgiven? And he said, yes. And, you know, Matt, that grace is still with me today. Mm -hmm. That grace has never left me. Mm -hmm. um, that sense of just being so loved mm -hmm. and so free. Mm -hmm. And I knew right then I want to give my whole life to God. Yeah. Um, I was so happy. And I wanted everyone to be, I wanted everyone to experience this happiness. Yeah, the freedom the, from the weight, from the bondage, from the shame, all that. Would you, would you say when you were, when you finally went up for confession, you knew you had to confess and you, yeah. you, you, you had these mortal sins in your, in your, in your mind. Mm -hmm. Was that, was that a healthy fear? Yeah, I'd say so. I never doubted God's mercy. Yeah. He wasn't a judge. He is mm -hmm. someone who loved me, but I knew I had offended him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I knew I had to come clean. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, that grace is just, it's a life-changing grace, that yeah. encounter. Jesus is merciful. He's yeah. always loved me. Yeah. So, you know, I can still live out of that grace. You know, it's mm -hmm. so important in our lives to live out of graces. Yeah. God gives us a grace. You know how, I mean, we all know this. The Bible always says, remember. Of all over and over Remember, and over. Remember, yeah. don't forget the grace. Yeah. I'm always with you. And yeah. so we have to go back to those graces. And um, But that started to be, again, that was the fullness of life. Yeah. And, you know, so I go, start going to the youth group <laughs> three times a week. Mm -hmm. And I started telling my other friends at high school about, come to this youth group. I want to invite everyone because I just couldn't get enough of him. Yeah. I started praying. I started reading books that were well beyond my years. Yeah. started visiting the seminary yeah and yeah and this is why it's so sad justin when, when we get away from um and we, i mean it happens all the time especially in i think in our circles protestant world too like it, when we get away from the gospel mm. and and the reality of our guilt before god that we have offended the living god sure sure like the need for propitiation the yeah. need yes. for wrath bearing sacrifice like the actual explicit explicit yes, gospel the right. gospel is not just that yes. you know is it, there's so many implications off of that right. and like there's so much if you, all you ever talk about is that you're missing so much of the christian life but it's a huge but part of how it. do we know his love for us until we know the level to which we've offended him and i feel like right. for us as pastors yeah. like church leaders ministers we can forget that yeah just to forget that simple moment and like how often do do we just weep because we just it's just between us and him it's not yeah. about our jobs not about what we do for work it's just us and the lord us with our god the one who loves us our, our father who sent his son filled us with his spirit yeah. like but we deserve none of this and so I, I just love that in your story how it's just the it's just the gospel yeah. we've offended the living god yeah. through our sin we've, we've transgressed against him and he sent Jesus to set us free and to save us from that. And our conscience is, it works in every soul, right? Yeah. And some people, again, they don't have the words for it. They have a sense of guilt. I did something I shouldn't do. This is wrong. Mm. And they don't know that. They, I think everyone has a very deep sense, right? But they've never heard it, right? So that you yeah. can learn to bury it and live with it, but it hurts. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think we do have to 
preach more about it. Yeah. You're right. Is it the only thing? No, yeah. but a necessary thing. And a lot of us encounter Jesus through that mercy. And it's a gift of knowing him. I mean, the Romans tells us that we, we suppress the, the truth, yeah. right? Like as a, as a people. And so Christians are these people who we don't have to suppress the truth anymore. Yeah. We can fully accept our brokenness. Yeah. And actually, because we've been set free from it, we, we know joy, we know liberation, we know freedom, we know life. Justin, tell us. So, okay, thank you for that. That's really, really helpful. Now, the decision to move toward the priesthood, yeah. that's a whole different thing. Different call. It's yeah. so, and it's so interesting but as we've is, talked about this. It is the flowering of the encounter, right? Because you want it for others. Yeah. And also it meant following the lamb wherever he goes, mm. like they say in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, so the carrying of your own cross as well. Is yeah. It? And the dying to self, mm-hmm. deep experience of death, deep experience of death. So the basic, and of course the death will lead to a resurrection. And but just to be clear, yeah, like please. the decision to, to move toward the priesthood and, and, yeah. and that kind of language you're using, this yeah. is one of the things about the Protestant world that, that is really so sad. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys move towards being pastors in the Protestant world because sure. they're full of selfish ambition and ego. Right, right. We just think that, you know, that we're the, we're the best thing to happen to the you know, same, the Christian of course, faith. can happen in the Catholic right. priesthood. But I there's don't a know giving up, much. but there is, but there is a, there's yeah. an inherent giving up that I want to get to. It's a bit more radical, right. of course, for mod, the modern person. So tell us about that. So 16, after my conversion, two months later, I go to the seminary. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's a different world on a monastery. Only men mm-hmm. on top of a hill feeling isolated away from the city. You were here in Mission, right? In Mission, BC. Yeah. yeah. Seminary of Christ the King. So my first experience up there was inspiration. The monks get up at, you know, five in the morning, pray for two and a half hours. But that sense of that total dedication to God just spoke to my heart. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm an exhausted teenager at mm-hmm. six in the morning. But at the same time, you're feeling, oh, this is great. Oh, this is exciting. There, there's like no holding back, right? It's two feet in. You have no choice. You're all the way and in. And it's all or nothing, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's always how I felt. And so inspiration. Three months later, I go to the seminary again, and now it's fear. Mm. Because I'm missing out, and I might miss out even more on all, what my friends are doing. So we've got this um, ambivalence. Mm-hmm. I want it. I'm, I'm afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Keep on going. Summer. You can actually do seminary up there from starting grade eight. You can start discerning a call to the priesthood wow. at 13. Wow. It's the only high school seminary left in all of Canada. Wow. Yeah, unique. Now, back in the day, in the 60s, all across Canada, we'd have high school seminaries. So I thought about doing grade 12 there, but I was afraid. And so the rector mailed me, mm-hmm. regular mail, and said, are you going to come or not? I wrote him back saying, I'm unsure. I don't know if this is God's call. Mm-hmm. He wrote me back. The letter arrived two days later and he said, your letter is fill, full of fear. Mm. And that is just bristling with fear. And that's why I know God's working. Because when I met you, I could see God was working in your life. But I know also the devil is working strongly. Yeah. So all this fear. And, and the priest said to me, a few things I've never forgot. And he said, you know, God's call is like a gift. It's a, it's a flower, but you can't trample on it. Because if you dismiss it, you can lose it. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can waste God's call. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And as soon as I read his letter, I said, I'm going to the seminary next year. So I finished up my grade 12 in mm-hmm. Richmond, mm-hmm. public school, all the while knowing I'm going to the SEM, but couldn't tell anyone. Bit embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Um... When I got to um, the seminary, I knew I was following God. But of course, here comes the cost, right? Mm -hmm. Because following God, of course, is sweet at the beginning. And that's how he wins our hearts. Mm -hmm. But then comes the bitterness of the cross. Mm -hmm. And um, go up to the seminary. I'm homesick. I miss my friends. I like girls. Mm Want to get married. I miss just having them around. Yeah. And uh, two weeks in, I go to the, my spiritual director, who's the rector, and I say to him, I'm miserable. How much longer do I have to stay here? He said, how long are you willing to trust? Mm, wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's very logical, right? Right. You love Jesus. So if you really love him, you know, wow. are you willing to trust? That's great. 
It's a big question. Yeah, and I saw so eighteen at the time made sense. So fine, I'm not because I I was not going to leave if it meant doubting Jesus. Mm. That would kill me. I just cannot do that. I, I can't. Of course. So went through a month. Month things started slowly getting better, and you know he made um what do you call it? Another insight. He said. You're so obsessed with the subject of always how you're feeling. How do you, what your emotions are telling you? What about the objective, not the subjective, mm. but the objective? Does this praise God? Mm. Is it possible that God could call you to something that hurts? Mm. I didn't expect that because, of course, we don't live that, right? right. We don't live it in the culture and we don't often live it in the church. You don't hear that mm-hmm. and you don't see it lived. Mm-hmm. So, persevered. The Can first we pause for I just for one second. Of course. Why is that? Why is it that we don't see that? What what is happening there, Justin, where what are we trying to protect? Like where we don't want to show that actually following Jesus hurts, that it's a painful thing. What's happening there, do you think? I think it might go back to what you mentioned. You mentioned that you kind of see a hypocrisy in yourself. And mm-hmm. of course I see compromise. Right. right? That's a huge that's a huge thing for all of us. Mm-hmm. We can compromise certain calls, right? And I think over time, it, it, it gets rooted in our culture, right? We can compromise in our prayer life. Well, mm-hmm. I think we'll talk about that mm-hmm. as pastors, as leaders, as shepherds, yeah. right? And that gets filtered down to the flock, right? Yeah. If we're not, let's say we're not even vulnerable, and the Lord's always calling us to a healthy vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. If we're not doing that in the in in the sermon on Sunday, yeah. you know, it, it just gets filtered down. It becomes the culture of your church. Yeah, we're afraid to be we're afraid to be known. I think we're we're you know for with all of our flaws, and this is one of the reasons that you know we've as a church we've been working on some corporate confession over the last while, and it's been really beautiful. So so far, so such a long way for us to go yet, sure. but but it's like we, we're trying to normalize language around personal sin for that reason. I mean, the Apostle John tells us that if anyone says we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves, yeah, right? Like yeah. we all we all have sin and it needs to be confessed. James is very clear. We need yeah. to confess our yes, sin. Yes. Confess your sins, pray for one another that you may be healed. And we need healing in the church today. Yeah. So there's a, there's this confession of sin, but I feel like we've lost so much of the beauty of what you're describing because we're just not willing at all times to sit in front of that wall, mm-hmm. to sit in those dark nights and actually let others in on that because yeah. it's actually not a sign. And maybe this is a word for some of the guys listening and some of the men and women listening in right now. Like it's, it's actually not a sign of failure Yeah. to be broken. Yes. It's agreed. actually not a sign. It's not a sign of failure to be emptied out. Yeah. I just had someone speaking this into my life the other day, you know, where we I was sharing a testimony with some people and, and it went to a place I wasn't expecting to go. And, and, and just these people speak like the emptiness is a prerequisite to yeah. the filling. Yeah, the kenosis. Right. right you, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and we, we have to have, we have to have it. And so I love that part of your story. I love the, I love that you're taking us there when it comes to this discerning of God's call in your life, yeah. this real pain, real agony. And I think the beautiful thing about that is that experience, uh, that pat, we see the Paschal mystery, right? The right. Paschal mystery of the death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll see that replayed again and again in my life, deeper. And it's so beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. But the first time it hits you and you feel the the cross in a very profound, and you you feel the cost Mm -hmm. also, it hurts. And if you don't have someone to guide you, you can turn away, right? Right. Okay, so go. I get through the first year of seminary. That summer, I fall back into some old sin. That doesn't help, right? Go back to the seminary. Okay, I can get back onto that track, but my heart is divided. I really want to leave the seminary. And at the same time, seminary is going really well now. Right. And that idea now of not getting married is now frightening. Mm. Because I saw other guys leave. I was like, man, you guys are leaving? How how did you leave? Like, maybe I can leave for the same reason too. Because I was fighting with God. So I go through four months of great turmoil I can't even think of concentrate on my studies or anything because first thing I think about when I wake up is should I be a priest? I want to, but I don't want to. Last thing I think about when I go to bed, same thing. I'm I'm obsessed with it. I, I can't get it off. So I go to my spiritual director in December and I say I can't take this anymore. 
I, I can't even concentrate on anything. I need to know what God wants me to do. So how about this? Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give God four months. Whatever he reveals to me at the end of four months, I'll do it. So if he says, leave the seminary, I'll leave. But if he says, be a priest, and I'm serious, I don't care if I'm miserable for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. I'll do it. If he wants, I'll do it. But now the grace there is that I was giving God open hands. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I said, fine, I will do it. Even though there's a, this kind of a reluctance, there's a pain. So no, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no victory right there. Right. No, no resurrection. Within a month, I knew what he wanted because every time I thought about marriage, I get excited, but deep down, I could not rest there. Mm. There was no peace. Mm. Every time I think about priesthood, I pray about it. Mm. I feel, oh, I was going to use a vulgar language. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, oh, yeah, you can dang, say it. <laughs> worse than it's that. It's okay, right? man. These guys can handle it. Yeah, I know, but it, it's like, yeah. right? I just felt, oh, yeah. But I felt peaceful, right? And every time I go back and forth, should I do? It's the same thing all the time. It doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So it's clear. I remember sitting at my desk, just saying, "Okay, fine. I'll never think about marriage ever again. I will never consider it ever again. Mm. The door is forever closed." Now, wow. at that moment, it, it, I felt it felt like death. All my dreams of getting married being with my friends and having what I wanted gone. And I gave it up and I promised him and I would not go back on that. But there, so you, so you, okay. So there's a couple of things there that I want to touch on. Yeah. So you gave that up. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. But it's because you wanted him even more. Is that fair to say? It's because I, I, I did love him with all my heart and I still do, of course, but. I, I did it because this is what he wanted. Mm-hmm. That's all that mattered at that point. I got nothing out of that choice at that moment. And that hurt. There's something so important here that I don't know how to capture it, but I'm going to try. And then you help me with it. Please. There, there is this, and we've been talking about this actually, uh, you and I just in, in, in separate conversations that I want to get to as well. So maybe this is a good link. This need for intimacy and communion with Jesus. We talk about this all the time. We we all know it as church leaders, especially. We all know the importance of intimacy yeah. with Jesus, yeah. and yet we all know how how easy it is to just become busy yeah. with the work of Jesus yeah. Yeah. and working for Him, right? And that's yeah. that. I mean, even you're describing some of that reality. Like this is just obedience. Not even like it's not pure. Like it's not it's not just love yet. Yes, that's correct. There, there's a there's a but. Even as we go on and we see that pattern of death and resurrection repeat itself over and over in our lives, there continues to be this need Mm -hmm. for us Mm -hmm. as sons and daughters of God, of the living God, to continually go to him, even just to abide in him on a daily basis and to go to him and open our hands and say, I'm letting go of every expectation that you will satisfy me. Yeah, of course. Letting go of that. And just, I just want to be with you because I know that I know that I know that this is the best thing in the in all of existence. The human tendency, of course, we all want to be filled, but we always want to just kind of almost consume. Yeah. We always want God's consolation. And eventually he pulls that away because he just wants to give us himself. Yeah. But you have to clear out the heart to be filled with him. And that's what that will that is what will always happen until the day we die. Yeah. Get just let go of everything that fills our heart until he he because he is everything. Yeah. But he takes us through that process and he's so gentle, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Now sometimes and patient. Patient. Now sometimes he can be severe because he knows it's so good for us, because he yeah. knows we're ready for it. But he'll do ex- he's perfect, right? Mm-hmm. He, he'll do exactly what's good for us. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, you know, let us suffer or patiently with gentleness. Mm-hmm. So right after that death experience, the pain lasted for a good week, mm-hmm. but I could concentrate again. Interesting. Your mind was more... I was completely peaceful, mm-hmm. but in pain. Mm-hmm. It's a bereavement, a grief. Second week got a bit better. 
Third week got really good. And then I started understanding. I went to my vice rector. I said, I get it now. I have nothing now. Mm. I really, I don't have any more plans for my life. I have nothing. I have only one thing. I have Jesus. And then I realized I got everything. And I'm so happy. Yeah. And when I go to pray, I realized you're all I have. And I'm so happy. Yeah. And then you'd see all these confirmation experiences. Um, you know, like, I remember my brother, my older brother, came up to the seminary, visited with his girlfriend, and I remember being so happy for them. And I remember saying to myself, you two have each other, and I have God. Mm. And I felt zero jealousy. Yeah. Because before I would have felt like, oh, I wish I could have that. And then I realized, I've got him. Mm -hmm. This is it. And I was so happy. Mm -hmm. And there was that other resurrection experience again, mm -hmm. right? And then when, I, when I'd be in prayer, just, oh. And then you can start loving people authentically. Right. Even my relationship with girls, you know, when we're young, of course, you're trying to impress. Yeah. Naturally, you just it's just a habit. Because you are trying to get something right. for you. Yeah. Yeah. But then, no, it's just more of a pure love. When you so, don't need anything from them, right now you're able to actually love somebody. Yeah. And isn't that supposed to be the normal Christian life? Yeah. But because that's what love is. That's who God is, right? That interchange of love between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. They're always giving, they're always receiving fully. Yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to bring us into that yeah. dynamism. Yeah. And that's what we're here to do, to constantly just become more like that. And it's awesome. Yeah. That, that is just, and that's everything. You just came back from sabbatical. So your story go, goes on from there and it's yeah. an amazing story. And, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, I'd love to get into that another time, but like, you know, you just came back from sabbatical recently. Yeah. 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 And it feels to me like this pattern it's continuing to repeat in. itself yeah, it again. Is. Can yeah. you walk us through <clears throat> some of the things, however much you're willing, yeah. walk us through some of the things you've been learning about your own personal communion with Jesus. You went away for a retreat. Where was that? South Dakota. You South said, Dakota, Sioux Falls. Yeah, you went away for a retreat there and and, and there is a way the Lord met you. And, some and you know, when we sat down that day, when we hung out that day, I had just come out of another meeting with somebody where I'd just been like, oh, my heart was open and I was... I mean, really, really, really fighting with the Lord on some oh, things, yeah. mostly just my communion with him and yeah, abiding in yeah. him. And, and this person posed a question that, that I didn't have an answer to. And I came in at, and I walked right into that meeting with you and you're sitting down and, and hearing your story was the answer to my question. Okay. And that radically reoriented just my life with Jesus. So I want you to help people understand what, you know, what is the Lord showing you in that communion yeah. time? What are he kind of speaking to now? So the background for this is, of course, I've been a priest 14 years yeah. and like you and I are, it's, we're all in. Mm -hmm. It's all or nothing. So my whole priesthood loved the Lord with all my heart, want everyone to meet him. And I think there was a general sense. I started, you know, the typical ministerial pattern, you know, you, you work all the time. Now, priests, we get one day of rest a week, Monday. But we're expected, the, the, um, the example of the saints in our Catholic tradition, all the diocesan priests, the regular priests, they usually die on the job. Wow. And that's kind of our model. When you live right there, connected, right? We live at the church. Our rectory is attached to the church. So that is... I mean, I'm two blocks away here, Justin, right. but I'm in a high rise. Yeah. And you need a fob to get to our floor. Like, so, <laughs> your so people can knock on your ring. I can't even meet doorbell. my neighbors, honestly. We got to... It's, it's a problem because yeah. you... So it's like, I'm, I'm very close here downtown, but yeah. also like a world away. Sure. You don't have that. Yeah. That sense of being totally available, yeah. right? That's all the an, time. All the, that, that was held up as the model. Now, if that's not complemented with other theological truths, that will literally waste you. And if you're not given a supernatural grace from God, you will get eaten up. Right. Now, that was a hard lesson to learn. So basically, I've always spent my life trying to be like Jesus. And, and the insight I had during my sabbatical is I wasn't giving all my time and working myself and not sleeping enough. You know, some, for a year, I'd be going to bed at, two, three, four in the morning, mm. it'd be rotating. Yeah. And then take three hour naps and then get up. Yeah. The reason why I was doing it is just because he's given me everything. I just want to give back. I wasn't trying to earn his love. Right. Now, of course, maybe there's some pride. Let's be honest. We're excited about the work we get to do, right? We're I mean, excited, how, how but you also, want to, you also want to perform well. well yeah, we want to, you don't want, we to want to fail. produce, but we want to be effective. Exactly. We, we, want, to make, we want to make an impact. Yeah, exactly. And... But there's also an immaturity. Right. 
all that is thrown into the mix. So I'm getting exhausted. So um, with COVID, we pivoted really well for our church. And then I started knowing during the summer, I go away for two weeks of vacation, come back, feel good. But within a week, I have zero energy for leadership. Mm. I started realizing something's not right. Mm -hmm. Before I could recover, go away again, can't recover. And then I realized, okay, this is deep. My fatigue is deep. And one day when I'm driving, I just realized I should ask, I'm not going to recover with 17 more days of vacation. I should ask the bishop for a month. Then I thought, I think I'll need more. I'll ask for two months. He gave me 10 weeks, praise God. Mm. Now, the grace that was literally transformative, and it goes to this thing of the reality of just being with God. I go on a 30-day Ignatian retreat. Mm -hmm. So you meet once a day with your spiritual director, in my case, Trudy McCaffrey. Mm -hmm. um, She sounds amazing. Yeah, 77 77 years old, a widow with four kids, and she only does spiritual lecture for priests and bishops. She's heavy hitting. She's good, and she doesn't hold punches. And so you meet with her once a day. You tell her what goes on in your prayer, and then you go back to pray. She'll give you four or more scripture passages, You spend an hour on each passage, take notes, and then see her the next day. Mm -hmm. And you don't talk to the other retreatants. So 30 days of silence, talk once a day, four hours of prayer. And then you got to eat and exercise and (laughs) try to relax. Now, here's the grace that came out. I recognize that God was so happy for me just to receive. Mm -hmm. Now, that grace started coming slowly through the through the weeks maybe on the third week it started crystallizing i started having a greater sense of god's mercy that he was actually so happy when i would just sit with him and not try to love him but just receive his love now that was life-changing for me because i always felt like you already gave me everything you always give me everything i just want to love you in return right yeah and now he's telling me you know where Jesus washes the apostles' feet? You know, Peter says to him, you know, Lord, I, you'll never wash my feet. There's there's something reasonable about that, right? right? Of course. And Jesus says, if you know, if I don't wash, you'll have no share in me. Yeah. And so to let Jesus wash my feet again and again, even though he's already died for me, like mm-hmm. uh, what more can you do for me? And he still wants yeah. to give me more. Yeah. And so I started resting more in that mercy. Mm -hmm. And again, I had a deeper insight to his goodness. He loves giving, you know, and the, I I shared with you kind of that analogy, you know, we have to sacrifice ourselves unto death Mm -hmm. just the way he did for us. That's what we'll know. we, We love him. Right. But there's also a part where in a loving relationship, you know, you can go home to Michelle and you know, she sacrifices all day. Mm-hmm. And you might say, you know what? Can you just take a break? I just want to love you. Can I cook you dinner? And she's thinking, no, but I want to do more for you. And you say, but you know what the greatest joy gives me? Is mm-hmm. seeing you rest. Right. And then I realized God was saying that to me. Mm-hmm. It praised him. <sighs> and just receiving his love. Like, that's how good he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane how good God is. Yeah. Like we literally can't fathom. And of course there's more. But I just had a deeper sense. Like he doesn't stop giving. Yeah. And this is what's fascinating about that for me. Is this, it's this upside down thing that's been happening in my life uh, that just he's been showing me uh, over the last while, I'd say 18 months or two years now, where I want to love him by working for him. Yes. I want to love him by, I don't, I'm not trying to earn anything from yeah, him, yeah. but as like, so we, we work in the church, right. Yeah. And, and as pastors and leaders, you know, across, we work in the church, we work hard. A lot of us thanks, like by God's grace, we love what we do. It doesn't yeah. feel like work. It feels like it's all we want to do. Cause we just yeah. want to be all in on this same thing. Yes, yes. But in my time with him personally, what I'd realized is I had turned that into another form of work as well. Yeah. That was now where I was coming to him to sort of to 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 somehow earn 
whether it's just something for me, per, like a, a new move of the spirit, a, a, a new mm-hmm. sense of his presence, a new, just, I, I, I need you to fill me up a little bit more because the work that I'm doing right now is too much for me. It's overwhelming. I can't. And so I'm here now. I need you to do this and this and yeah, this. Yeah. And, and it's like, and I was so angry with him for a period of time. I remember in, in the gym one day, just getting so angry as I'm just praying in my head with him. And, and, and I just, his goodness started to be, get called into question in my life. Cause it's like, I, I'm doing so much to try to come to you for these things that I need. And, and you don't seem to be responding. And what I realize is he, he will, he cannot give us those things when we pursue them that way, because he doesn't, he wants us to learn another way. Yeah. And that way is what Jesus was so clear about, so abundantly clear about just just come and sit at my feet and choose the better portion. <laughs> Unless you become like a child, you know, it's, it's this, it's this dependent posture. It's this dependent, humble posture where we just come to him and open our hands and say, it doesn't have to be like anything I have in my mind or my heart or any, just, I just, I'm just thankful to sit here with you. Yeah. And whatever you want to give, however you want to give it. And I just trust that like what we read in Hebrews, you're a rewarder of those who seek you. So I'm here seeking you. I know yeah. you're rewarding me. Yeah. And and I started just doing that where I would sit with him in, in the morning. Maybe I'd listen to some worship. Maybe not. Maybe I'd read. Maybe not. Maybe I'd pray. Like just sitting with him, just yeah. to be with him. And then when my time was done, I would get up and just thank him. And, and with just trust that he is as good as he says, he is, just move on. And then he began to meet me in that place. And it's, 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 it's revolutionized my communion yeah. with him. Yeah. You know, um, we can change our prayer into our, our prayer into ministry. Mm-hmm. We're always praying for people. We're asking guidance. And right. of course that has to happen. Have to do and it. he wants us to. Yeah. He sees the shepherd. But again, there's that other dimension of our lives with him where he just wants to be with us. That's it. And that's heaven. That's We're it. made for communion, right? With yes. him and we're if made could, to be a kingdom of priests yeah. and stand at that overlap of heaven and earth. I love how N.T. Yeah. Wright talks about that and and stand there yeah. and actually just reflect him. Just to be, we are his image bearers here in this temple creation, yeah. just to reflect him, <laughs> right? That's all yeah. we're here to do. Yeah. And we get so busy doing other things. I think there's this is the, the cross and resurrection experience again in our prayer, right? So there's one problem that all of us will always be tempted to is to not give give him time yeah okay sometimes it's legitimate other times it's our own heart that is far from him the other thing is that sometimes we have to let go of what gives us spiritual consolation Mm -hmm. so we're talking about this at that at white spot how you know it's very enjoyable to get consolation Mm-hmm. You know, you read a passage and you, yeah. <laughs> you, you, okay, intellectually you get this great insight. Right. And that is awesome. Right. You see it and you understand right. it. Right. Other times you just get filled with his sweetness. Mm-hmm. And you like that. Mm-hmm. Feels good, man. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, probably a long time, some years, you want more of it because it fills you. And then he starts pulling it away. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that call. Now, just if I can explain that kind of journey Please. too. I started feeling maybe a call maybe seven years ago where I would get the consolation, but I felt my heart was resting just being with him in prayer. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I'd always want to go back to the scripture or to some spiritual reading, you know, it, it feeds the mind. But when you go to that place where your mind isn't really thinking about something, but it's just loving him, yeah. it feels empty until, let's say, the end of the hour. And then mm-hmm. you feel full because it fills you up really slowly. Yeah. But you got to give it that time. Yeah. So I'd always kind of go back. And then I read in this spiritual author, he said, if God calls you a deeper form of prayer, don't go back. Mm. Okay, now that was something that struck me. And so I started talking to my spiritual directors. Am I getting called? And they're, think- and they're saying, yeah, always go more to the heart. Mm. The head is good. Yeah. But God wants the heart. The head is good, but the head has to serve the relationship. Agreed. If agreed. we lead out of the head, and this is what I'm, I, I love puzzles, like in the sense of like theological puzzles, and I love to read the Bible and get insight, and then I start to I start to piece it all together. Yeah, yeah. And I put my systematics in and my biblical, and it's like you put all these things together, <laughs> and that excites me. And I've lived off that for a lot of years. It's satisfying, but it's death if that's the if that's the thing that's leading you you can't commune there there's more so you go relationship first and then all these insights 
whether or not they come, but when they come, they serve the relationship as opposed to the other way around. That is life. That's right. Yeah. So I felt this gentle call and then it keeps on getting confirmed every time I go away with this annual seven-day retreat with Trudy. But then this time was really, I'd say, the turning point Mm. in five years where I said, God wants my heart. And there's a book that, there's a 14th century Catholic book called The Cloud of Unknowing. Mm. It's considered a mystical classic by all traditions. Mm -hmm. And it talks about, if you're called to this work, this prayer, they're describing prayer as a work. If you're called to this work, okay, he's saying God cannot be thought of. He can only be loved. And what you do is, between you and God, there's a cloud of unknowing. And what you do is you beat at the door with an act of love. You keep on longing for him. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start doing that, at first you get like zero. All you want to do is you want to check your phone. Right. You want to go back to the word because that's <laughs> the word of God. Yeah, totally. But so you feel this again, this your this tension. Yes. I want to read your word, yeah. but I feel like I just want you. Yes. And it's hard to go because it requires a sacrifice. <laughs> right. And so Trudy, I said to Trudy, I said, Trudy, like, I'm not really spending as much time on those scripture passages that you give me because I just start, I just want him. And she said, and I said, am I doing the right thing? She said, that's how I spent my 30 day retreat in the, Mm. in the eighties. And there will always be that tension. I still feel it right now Yeah. to go back to a means to find him Yeah. instead of just saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm here and I will let nothing else satisfy me. Yeah. And you keep on beating on that cloud of unknowing, the author says. And you know what he says? Between you and everything else, earthly and heavenly, he says, you have to put a cloud of forgetting Mm. between you. So what does that mean? A cloud of forgetting. You just want to, it doesn't mean you don't love them. Of course you love them. But he says, those are all created things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got to go to him. Yeah. And you just, you know what you do? You beat at his door yeah. with a, and you can, and God can be loved, he yeah. says. And you keep on longing for him. And the more you long for him, you know what? The more you possess him. Right. That time with him is not for anybody else. Like I found that for me, it's, that's not intercessory time for other people. I've got other times where I need to do that. That time with him, I have to take every thought captive in that sense and say, I'm just, I'm just still in my mind to go to be still and know that you are God, just to sit here with you and just to meditate on who you are, what you've done. And the fact that I I want you, I love you, and you've made yourself completely present to me, like by your, by the Holy Spirit through the personal work of Jesus. And it's all through Jesus. Of course. And, And the author says that you can just choose one word. He said that word will be your shield and your spear. Mm-hmm. It will be a shield. So if you, and he says, this is English, the English writer in the 14th century yeah. says, just choose one syllable. Mm-hmm. And he says, that word could be God. Mm-hmm. It could be love. Mm-hmm. And any th- other thought other than God comes to you. Take it captive. It's just, no, like that's your shield. Yeah. And you keep on saying God. If anyone asks you a question in your mind, just respond with that one word. Mm-hmm. If you and I are always ministering to the point that we lose life itself, life himself, we start becoming empty. Yeah, You know, we're always sharing people the fullness of life. He is the fullness of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. But if we're so empty, in some ways we're not a model. And that kind of goes back to your you feel that you said hypocrisy yeah that pharisaical spirit yeah i feel that like i'm sometimes so drained it's like i'm losing the joy of the lord yeah and if i give that time to be with him yeah i've got the fullness of life i have more to share and i'm a better example yeah especially when we're evangelizing yeah oh yeah and it's the gift of weakness it's the gift of because i mean the, the the other option there is to instead of when we start to get empty is to fill ourselves up with other things, productivity, like ministry successes, whatever the things are that we can measure, whatever other metrics we want to go to. And I think that there's this, I know that there's this call. I'm, I'm like, I'm hearing it from the Holy Spirit, yeah. this call for the church. And, and it has to be a call for the whole church and yeah. you know, hope and pray this spreads across the country because yeah. we, we need to, we need as, as leaders in the church, as servants in the church, like we have to go back to just loving him, him. just being with our yeah. father, yeah. just 
just communing with him and Justin. And then from there, that pours out to the people, which is the, la- the next thing I wanted to, to get to here because you came away from that. Yeah. And one of the things <gasps> yeah. you described, one of the things you described to me that had changed yeah. was this question that you began to ask your people, yeah. like in, in moments with them. And you, you would ask them, and I want to, I want to understand Let's from you why this is important because you would ask them, what's what's on your heart yeah what are you what are you trying to get at why why is it important for you to figure out what's on the heart of your people okay so that was of course another grace and it and it connects with god wants to go to the heart he wants to give us his heart mm-hmm. if we're willing to open up and so a question that came up kept on coming up during my sabbatical is god would ask what's on my heart even below my emotions below deeper than my thoughts and it occurred to me i never open my, my heart like i never tell anyone how much God means to me because mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid they won't understand. Right. Like, like he's everything to me. Like if I actually share what's on my heart, like I, 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 I don't know, I haven't cried in front of you, but I cry. Mm-hmm. Like, um, sometimes I love him so much. I feel like I'm going to explode. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can't share that with anyone because mm-hmm. who would understand that? Yeah. And we never go there. Yeah. Okay. So coming out of the sabbatical, I was talking to a friend and he's saying, you can go there with your friends and you should go there. And then also talking to God about, you know, sometimes in prayer, mm-hmm. just say, I, I ask Jesus what's on his heart. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, he'll ask me, I'll let him ask me mm-hmm. and I'll start telling him what's on my heart. There's the life again. The life starts flowing in. And so that of course is life changing. And so, I told my people I got back December 1st. On January 1st, I was preaching and I said, um, it says in Luke 2, you know, and a sword will pierce your own heart. It says yeah. that to Mary. Yeah. And I was just thinking about the heart. And so I said to my people, I said, when you come for confession, you can confess your sins, but this is the key. God always works in the heart. I said, after you confess your sins, I'm going to ask you, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, I'm going to ask what's on your heart and I'm going to start teaching you. And like examples would be, people can confess all these sins, right? Common sins. I'm I'm swearing, I'm lying, I'm angry, blah, blah, blah. And typically in our Catholic confession, we would try to rectify those faults and that's good. Mm -hmm. But it seems like there's a better way right now that God is opening up for us. So I'll ask someone, What's on your heart? And you know, a typical answer could be something like, um, I just want to be closer to him. Well, that had nothing to do with your sins, but that's mm-hmm. what they're feeling. Yeah. And so in response, their penance, the priest gives the penance. I'm always giving them scripture passages now. Mm-hmm. If someone says, I just, you know, they confess all the sins. And again, nothing to do with it. They'll say, I, I feel so grateful how about pray with Luke 7 about the penitent mm-hmm. woman whose sins mm-hmm. were forgiven much and now yeah. she loves much. Yeah. And if you go to the heart constantly, daily, mm-hmm. daily, has to be daily, you're just cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it, there's that fullness of life again. Now and that's been a game changer for our community. It's beautiful. And I think that's the, I think that's one of the places that we interact with that still small voice. When we go to the heart, when we clear away the other things. And you have to think like, you're, we're, right now you're looking at the church and we know the studies that are saying, you know, 30% of the church is MIA through COVID, all those different <laughs> things, you know, how whatever percentage is not coming back, all of that. Yeah. And, and um, you, ha- you have to wonder about sort of a shallowness right. of the Christian faith and a shallowness in the church and how much that has to do with the fact that not only are we busy and distracted, but, but for us as leaders, like we're, we're so tied into the working for Jesus. Yeah that we, we've lost that being with him. Yeah. And if we would begin to pay attention to our hearts and let those things out. Can I ask you a question? Please. Hearing this. Yeah. Do you have anyone with whom you can share what's on your heart? By God's grace, I, I do. I Praise got, God. Yeah, I'm so thankful for that. And I do that regularly. Praise God. Yeah, I need that. Now, how would you help your people? Now, the, th- yeah. the cool thing about our Catholic context is that I'm using confession as that moment because yeah. it's, it's a sacred moment. Yeah. I mean, when people reveal yeah. what's on their heart. Now, sometimes people ask me, that's <laughs> really good. Yeah. But where would you, if, if God calls you to 
kind of let this take life in your community? How would you do yeah, it? Yeah, so we've been doing this through through the call to corporate confessions at the beginning of that. So we had the church sent into us areas and, and I'm I'm trying to introduce, you know, us confessing our sins to each other, which we've always done, but yeah. but in a in a more consistent way. And but starting with sort of the church us as a church so the we language of our confession and we had the the body sent into us what's happening what do you see that's not right in the church in our lives in the way all that sort of stuff and then the so that that's been really beautiful for us is then taking that and now now slow we're so we're slowing down enough to notice it and then beginning to shift from there and then confession leading to repentance and that repentance is really working itself out in, in a lot of ways but one of which is a real intentional focus for us on spiritual practices mm. in like coming out of a Sunday and instead of like, you know, listen to the sermon mm-hmm. now, you know, let's go away and let's discuss the sermon. Uh-huh. It's too much sermon. Like I'm, <laughs> right. I'm biased. I like the sermons. I think I the bet. sermons are good, yeah, sure. but, but it's honestly like, I don't want people thinking too much about the sermon. I want them applying yeah. these practices and learning how to live. And so we're, we're, we're teaching now regularly relational practice. We're going relationship first in everything that we're doing. Praise God. And so we're making this subtle shift to, your relationship with the people around you in this body is of primary importance. It's not, this church is not about my ministry or what I do as a preacher. If that's what the church is, we are a massive failure. Mm. Like it's a massive failure. And, and, and I will be held accountable for this flock that I've taught to over and over and over again and didn't actually equip for their own works of ministry. And so what we're saying is we're, we're trying to put ministry back onto the people and saying, we, we want, we want you to be raised up and supported and equipped, but we want you to, it begins by slowing down and just noticing, do you want him? And that's been the question we've been coming back to over and over again is, do you actually want him? Do you love him? Do you know him? And then the invitation for our people is just, will you make some time for him? Like, will you make some time? You know, this is again, a, a cultural shift for Christians. Yeah. It's a behavioral shift because again, we're not used to actually being aware. God's always again knocking on the door of our heart, mm-hmm. but we're not used to going there. And it's like for a lot of people, they're not sensitive to what's going on in their conscience. Yeah. Because they haven't been taught. There's no space. And I think if we can create more and more spaces where it becomes just normal to listen to celebrate and and again and it'll take some time also further on to discern when when you reveal something on your heart well what is the holy spirit doing absolutely it's the, it's that contemplative nature of the christian life and it gets a bad rap sometimes because we mm. we tie it into other traditions or other things but it is it is discipleship 101 it's what we saw jesus do Jesus had to just go and be with his father. He had to get away from the noise. And so if, if we, and, and again, getting away from the noise is not just having time with him every day. It's having time with him that's just for him. Time with him that's not just, just, just to receive from him, just to open your hands and say, okay, I'm just going to be with you for this hour. You know, it, it's that fellowship of the burning heart. I don't know if that, if you know that language or not, but that's yeah. what I've been so hungry, like finding that with other people where we have, we just, we fellowship around just like our hearts that burn just to know mm. him, just to love him, just to be in communion with him. And, you know, I think Justin too, just before we wrap this up and I ask you to pray for us, yeah. I, I think this is so important right now. Mm-hmm. At times, this kind of a conversation might feel a little bit backwards because we're so used to like high octane. What's the methodology? What are we trying to get? We What's the move? Of course, it's very important. Yeah. But right now, if you look at you look at our world culturally, yeah. I think that that the evangelistic method mm. of the future going forward, like of course we need apologetics, of course we need all yeah. of that. Yeah. But the the especially the younger generations now mm. are so hungry. They're so hungry for a subjective experience that actually satisfies. Yeah. And it is not everything. And if we go only to subjective experience, we're in trouble. So you don't lose the God, but it does. And it's supposed to. And so right now I'm just seeing this connection where what the youth, especially of our, of our, of our nation are so hungry for is exactly what Jesus promised rivers of living water yes, flowing, flowing like the, like the river maker the holy spirit himself within us like this life of communion this justin like i just feel like it's it's the way forward and so i, I want you to pray for us just before you pray for us as, mm-hmm. as leaders you know across the country uh is there anything else that you wanted to add or anything else on your heart or anything you'd want to say uh to those who are taking this in 
I'm deeply grateful. Um, like, you know, if I just be aware of right now what's on my heart, just like tremendous gratitude. Mm. Um, I love praising him. I love just sharing about him. You know, when when joy is shared, it's increased, right? Right, right. Um, my love for people, our brothers and sisters in the vineyard, mm. who are laborers in the mm-hmm. Lord's vineyard. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for you. I'm you thankful too. Thankful for your church. This opportunity. I I think I would love to do more of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of the the thoughts on my heart. Just whatever will praise him, and I think rekindle, you know, that first love, and take mm-hmm. that love deeper, because I think it would. Be, yeah, you'd say you you love him more than. Before I love him oh, yeah. more than twenty years ago. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and if we can keep on loving him ever more, praise God, Justin. Thank you for your time, man. I love you so much. Likewise. I'm glad to have one of our conversations recorded. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, nice right. to have one on, that well, I can listen back to again because we'll I'm, I'm excited. I feel time. closer to Jesus like normal when, when we get together, and so just so thankful for you, brother. Love you so much. Would you pray for us? Let's pray. Jesus, love, praise you, and we just rest in you. Thank you. And this time has been all about you and for you and for the people you love. And just keep on coming, speaking into our hearts right now. And anyone who's listening right now, if their hearts have been touched, let that let that grow and help us respond. You're moving something in our hearts. We don't want to neglect your grace, but we want to just uh, capitalize on your love and your stirrings. Help us. You initiate, help see it through, and, and conclude it for your glory. And just bless everyone and all we love all we're trying to reach. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to say a big thank you to Matt Menzel and Father Justin for sharing that conversation with us today. I'm just so thankful to have leaders like them serving the church in Vancouver. A few things I want to tell you before we sign off today. First, I would just love it if you would join us and spread the word about that conversation happening on April 7th with Daryl Johnson and Brooke Liggert-Wood from Hillsong Worship. It's happening at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, and it's a conversation about theology and worship and the church. And you can find out more information and sign up at worshipcentral.ca. Another thought for you is if you haven't joined, let me say it this way. If you are a pastor or ministry leader here in Canada, we have built a closed Facebook group for you to have discussion and community with your peers and ministry. And that's really the heart of this network, to create a relational fabric across our country to learn and grow and encourage one another. So that's happening. You can search Canadian Church Leaders Network and find out how to get involved on Facebook there. It's a great community, great conversation and learning together. And we're excited to see where that kind of evolves and grows. So next week, we've got Sam Pickin from C3 Church in Toronto. I love my chat with him. I left inspired and encouraged, and I can't wait for you to meet him. With all that said, thank you so much for listening today. We love you. We appreciate you, and we'll see you later.